Good morning, everyone. Hopefully you've all uh, brought your Pathways workbooks uh, and been going through it with your growth group and uh, reading about it. If uh, Just uh, give you a quick overview uh, of where we've been so far. Uh, we uh, started out with worship and, and what that looks like um, in the world and in us, and then Last week, uh, Lori talked about connexity, and uh, this week we're going to talk about service. So here you go, service, and uh, there's some extra scripture in there, there's a place to take notes, there's a little think piece that that I wrote, and going deeper uh, to just take uh, the things that we're talking about, uh, hopefully uh, to the next level, and hopefully take it out of the conceptual and into the the real practical. Today is a difficult talk for me because I have a whole range of emotions uh, that go into service and just the idea of service. Uh, Service, in in a lot of ways, I think, is, is the church's greatest strength, but it also has been our greatest weakness. That I think that that service and how how it is lived out in in the world is one of these uh, Christian uh, mandates that gets intertwined with government policy, and it makes it really really difficult uh, for for a Christian to navigate this. At least for me, maybe not for you, but I I, I feel very conflicted. Uh, you know, it's been all through the news, uh, you know, with the Pope's visit and the Pope uh, challenging our political leaders about being more generous and, and taking care of the least of these and, and things like that. Uh, in, in, in one side of me, I'm like, yes, I want to live in a society that, that uh, our governments, you know, uh, take care of people. And I, I want that. But what I want more is actually the government not to need to do that. And, I, and I've had this conversation with a lot of, of my friends, and I, and I usually paint this picture of, of what I think the ideal would be. I would love it if the church did what Christ commanded it to do to such a degree that, that there was no one who was hungry, that there was no one that was homeless, that the, the widows and the orphans were taken care of. I would love it for a politician to stand up and say, you know what, the government needs to take care of the poor and there's uncomfortable chuckles all through the audience because everybody's like, why? There are no poor who aren't being taken care of because the church, the Christian church, is already taking care of that. But we don't live in that world. The, the reality is in what we're talking about today that, that and I just, I think that this is even more of a confession and you may disagree with it, but the church has failed. Not 
our church, just our church, but the church of Jesus Christ has failed in this area and we need to take responsibility for that and understand that, that you know, 50 million people on food stamps in America is because the church has failed. Now, there's a big gap between what we were meant to do and how we find ourselves, you know, uh, where we find ourselves today. And I understand this is a very complex issue and we're not going to get into it, but I feel one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to go into scripture and, and say, okay, you know, this is a big mess. How do we navigate and how do we go forward? What, is, what can we do as ambassadors of Jesus in this world? What, what is our part? How do we conduct and live our lives in a way that when we stand in front of our creator someday, that he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So, I stand here today understanding that several of you are going to be upset. And I'm okay with that, as long as it continues conversation. My, my, I'm not trying to upset anybody. What I'm really trying to do, and I guess you just have to trust me, is I'm trying to work through this as best as I can in, with the scripture that God's entrusted to us and, and God who has revealed himself to me and how this all works. One of the primary images in my, my mind of, of service in a Christian is, is service to a Christian is like swimming for a fish. That, that a, a Christian who's not serving in some capacity, and I'm not talking about, you know, just the obvious stuff. I mean, just, just serving people, and that can be through, through giving or through tangible serving or through uh, uh, teaching or all sorts of different ways. So I, I really don't want to, like, you know, we expanded the idea of worship. I want to expand this idea of service. But ultimately, service for a Christian is like swimming for a fish. And what's the one big life-giving thing that happens when a fish swims? It breathes. And, and the reality is a service is the air for our soul. When we serve, it's like a fish bringing in, you know, the, the water with the air and, 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 and gives them life. And I'd like to put that imagery in, in your mind that, that when we serve, that we are aerating our soul. We are giving oxygen to our soul, and it brings us life. And just like if you saw a, a fish not swimming, that, that you would know that it is not long for this world, that there's something wrong, that it is sick. I came across a video that... Uh, I think illustrates this. And don't worry, you're not going to see a dead fish. But you got this fish. Watch this video. You got this fish, and he's swimming around. This cat's sitting there. And, it, and at first, 
the, the, the fish swims up there and he's swimming around. Now he's getting a little bit nervous and the cat's sitting there and he's kind of praying and the fish starts getting lower and lower and, and more nervous and start, stops swimming. And then it finally tries to hide. And here's the just repeated. See, he's all swimming. He's happy with the, the then the, the cat starts messing with them and everything. And I look at this video and this is us. This is the, this is the Christian that, that, you know what? We start following Christ and we want to serve and we're, we're swimming around and our, we're, we're, we're getting all this oxygen into our lungs. And then the, 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 the cat of life comes, Right? <laughs> You know, and the, this cat, you know, symbolizes several different things that, you know, it can be your job, it can be disappointment, it can be uh, uh, just other Christians that, that have disappointed you or, or heretical teaching or, uh, or debt or all sorts of things. And suddenly we start going into this protection mode and we, we sit there and we start to hunker down in our little fishbowl. And we just try not to be noticed by the rest of life. And when we end up in that place, when we stop swimming freely, we die. When we, you know, hunker in our fishbowl, our church, and we hunker down and we try to make ourselves as small as possible, hopefully that the cat will not notice us and just leave us alone, that we die. So when I think about, about that, and I think about in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus uh, is telling a parable at, at the end of days, and he's talking um, to people, and he's saying, you know what? When I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then if you skip down to verse 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of these, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. There's this very tangible connection between service and serve and serving Jesus when we serve the least of these when we serve one another when we serve in the name of Christ that it is actually serving Jesus and the reality is that service is worship demonstrated for the human eyes we can worship in our heart but service actually is worship demonstrated for the human eyes. And this is how we illuminate Christ and his, his deity to the world and his love to the world. In the video, um, I think it was Michael who, who, who mentioned when he was in Guatemala, he actually felt like the tangible hand of Christ. And this is kind of this idea that, that we started talking about several years ago, and really this idea that, that the, the church is the manifestation of, the, of ascended Jesus. That, 
that we are the body that carries out the, the heart and mind and will of our resurrected Savior. And I got to tell you, the metaphor of the body of Christ has been very, very powerful in, in my life. It has is, it is, uh, made me appreciate other Christians it's a, and, their, and their gifting. It's also been very freeing to me that, that I, don't, I don't need to be everything to everyone. And it's an amazing thing when you think about it. I think it also, the body of Christ, uh, strikes a death blow to the heretical teaching of individualistic uh, salvation outside of, of uh, relational reconciliation with, with God and, and his creation. That, that, that uh, I'm saved and I'm just going to be over here by myself and not do anything else. I'm just going to be a fish at the bottom of the fishbowl is not God's ideal for his creation. That yes, we are saved by grace, but we were saved for a purpose. And I think Paul does a really great job um, of, of talking about this, and not in the normal scriptures about the body of Christ that, that a lot of times we go to, but in uh, Colossians chapter 1, if you turn there, in, in verse 15. And he gives this really poetic uh, view and, and version of, 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 of basically who Jesus is and who Jesus is to us and how that should uh, uh, enable us and free us and equip us to be the tangible hand of Christ in this lost and hurting world. Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And then he says this very key thing in verse 18. He says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far from him. And then this next statement, I think, is so compelling and important. It says, you were enemies separated by him, from him from your, by your evil thoughts and actions. And in my, in my notes, I also wrote, and inaction. See, there's the sin of actions, but there's of, of, of going in, you know, what we see ISIS doing to uh, people in the Middle East, burning them, beheading them. There's the sin of those actions, but there's also the sin of inaction, of not doing anything about it, not doing our part, not not 
praying for those Christians, not, not looking for and asking the question, what can we do? Yet now he has reconciled you through himself, uh, himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Practically lived out, the body of Christ, is, as, as the Apostle Paul presents here, is Christ is the head of the church. He is the thought. He, he is the eyes. He is the mouthpiece. He speaks for the church. But we are the hands, the feet, the body that goes and does what the head wants us to do. You know, just as, uh, just as Jesus is the visible image of God, as, as Paul started out in verse 15, the church is the visible image of the ascended Jesus. So practically speaking, in the first century, when Jesus was walking the earth, he was the visible image of God. This is why I, I, I like to tell people, if you don't like Jesus, you won't like God. Right? If you don't like Jesus, you're not going to like God. Well, guess what? We, we, the church, the body of Christ, just like Jesus was the visible image of God, we are the visible image of Jesus in the 21st century. Terrifying. Terrifying thought. Because if you look at what Jesus did and who he spent his time with and, and how he conducted himself and brought people to be reconciled with him and each other, are we as the body doing this? How do we live this out? And I kind of was thinking about how the body works because I think it's so easy for us to go right to the tangible, you know, uh, and I wanted to use the one example because Jesus used it is, is basically feeding him. When you, we fed the least of these, we were, we were worshiping him. We were feeding Jesus. So in a real, you know, easy kind of tangible thing, you know, we have served Tallahassee and people do this on a regular basis. We have 76 families that our church and, and, and Red Eye that we supplement their groceries and we build relationships with them and help, help them with the, with the hope that they will uh, be able to break the cycle of poverty, but also uh, that they will experience God's love. So that's, that's what we do. So, but what goes into feeding the least of these in a way that leads to freedom? Have you ever thought about that? I was like going through and I was thinking about that and I, I came up with at least eight steps I mean, it just doesn't start with a sandwich or a bag of groceries being delivered. Things have to happen before and after in a way that brings dignity and leads to freedom. Number one, the body of Christ needs to see a need.
That is a very simple but profound statement. Because what has to happen for the body of Christ to see a need? <coughs> got to look. You got to be in the proximity of where needs are. So number one, the body of Christ needs to see the need. Number two, the body of Christ needs to share the need. Needs to let other parts of the body know that there is a need. That means that one part of the body is out there and sees a need. Hey, you know what? I, I was driving through Frenchtown and I noticed that there, there are people who, who need a tangible expression of God's love. And comes and shares that need in the body of Christ then says, huh, all right, what can we do? So number three, the body of Christ needs to give money or food or something to in order to get that food. We have to see the need. We need to share that need with the rest of the body of Christ. And then there needs to be a call to action. To say, you know what? This is what we can do. To be the body of Christ. To be the visible image of Jesus in these people's lives. Then, the body of Christ needs to go and get the food. They need to go to Costco or Publix or, or something. Or bring it. You guys bring the food. You know, Dan's always talking about the two-for-one thing at, at Publix. You know, when you're in there and you're buying some peanut butter, it's like, and they got like the, what, BOGO? BOGO. Yeah, buy one, get one. He's like, you know what? You get one and you share that other one. Get the food. And then number five, the body of Christ needs to put the food together or, or make the food. Right? So we have people that come on a Saturday morning, and, and again, these details may not be accurate. I'm not actually sure if they come on Saturday morning. But let's just say they did. <laughs> and they came on Saturday morning. And if you go in, the, in our pantry, there's like this whole system of like, okay, the peanut butter and this and that and, and all of these kinds of things. I've never done it. All right? That's not my part of the body. But the body does do it. And then, what? Okay, that's fine. They can laugh. Number six, the body of Christ needs to deliver the food. Because you know what? The food in the pantry is not filling any bellies. It's taking up space. The food needs to be delivered. And then number seven, and this is where it gets really hard, and this is where it leads to freedom and empowerment. The body of Christ needs to discover why there was a need in the first place and find the root cause and care enough to help break that cycle. And Next one. There we go. And the body of Christ needs to break the cycle of hunger in those people's lives. Now, this is not a one Saturday kind of thing. This is an ongoing 
Israel. And this is a very isolated, hungry, very simple thing. Hungry person, hungry person needs food. It's about the simplest issue that I could think of. It's very complicated. But when you look at everything that has to happen here, number one, one person can't do that. Number two, that it takes the whole body to come together. But it also, uh, there's a process to it, especially when it's not, you know, and ultimately it's not about the food, right? It's about people. It's about people who matter to God. That we show love because God first showed us love. And you know what? I love this, this kind of when I was looking at it because there's so many different types of people. First, you need to have somebody out there who has seen things through the eyes of Christ. Who's allowing their heart to break for the things that breaks God's heart. And then there needs to be someone to share that need. You know, a lot of times you hear, oh, pastors are always asking for things. That's because the pastor's job is to share needs, to challenge people, to say, look, this is a way that we can be the tangible hand of Christ in, in our world. Dead things don't need money. Dead things don't need love. Living things, living People need that. And then the church needs to sacrifice, either with time or, or money or all sorts of stuff. And then again, sacrifice to actually think through, you just to go get food. It's not just getting any food, it's thinking through, and I know they do this, the nutritional needs of families, of these families that they've built relationships with. And then actually going to their homes, not saying, here, come pick it up, but actually going there. And then the real hard work, again, is, is to figure out by listening what is really going on. What, you know, is it, is it a, a training piece? Is it a job piece? It is, is it, you know, what is going on? And, and some of the biggest celebrations for Serve Tallahassee has been when a family that they have been in relationship with year, for years is able to get their own place and move out of the projects, and, and when they say, you know what, we no longer need you to bring us groceries, that they have achieved freedom. When the church fails to be the tangible hand of Christ, that that opens the door for, for all sorts of other uh, things to happen, oppression and, and despair, and it comes flooding in. It's not a zero-sum game. Something is going to feel that, fill that void, and we have the power to fill that with the love of God, or the enemy will fill that with, with downtroddenness or envy or hurt or despair. That is the power that the body of Christ has. And, you know, this is, 
this is the next step that I think that, that might challenge some of you. It challenges me as, as we live in a, in, an, in a place, you know, in a country where we vote and we vote for different policies and things like this. And this is, this is where it becomes really difficult because when we, we say, when we fail to act and then politicians say, let's, let's put in this government uh, uh, policy to, to fill, shore up the gap that, that we have, have relegated our responsibility, our God-ordained responsibility to the government, and that is sin. It is. And we need to act in a way of love. And you know what? We're a small church. We, you know, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we are doing something. But the more that we come together, and the more that we go through these six steps on, on all, or eight steps on all sorts of different kind of issues, not just hunger, but mental illness, and, and you know, Dan was talking about uh, uh, unwanted pregnancies and all sorts of social issues that that um, the government has had to step in that we need to step in and make even a bigger presence in the name of Jesus. Ultimately, this is what Jesus taught and Jesus did, and I want to close with this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And ultimately, you know, for our church, that this is a driving force. This is why we started Red Eye Midtown, to, to create a, a sustainable revenue source for, to be the tangible hand of Christ here locally and globally. And it's why we started Serve Tallahassee. That's why we're involved in Guatemala, in Haiti, in Africa, uh, all over the place. That we sacrifice and, and we try to shore up. Not that we will have to be served, but so we can use our, our God-given talents as each one of us is part of the body, the business people, the the, the people with the big hearts, you know, the, the, the theologians, the, everybody, the preachers, the pastors, the, you know, everyone, that we can come together and make God known. Yes,